0: Chapter Ten of The Queen of Hearts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Queen of Hearts by Wilkie Collins. Chapter Ten. BROTHER GRIFFITH'S STORY OF THE Family SECRET CHAPTER 2 I was taken home on the appointed day to suffer the trial, a hard one even at my tender years, of witnessing my mother's passionate grief and my father's mute despair. I remember that the scene of our first meeting, after Caroline's death, was wisely and considerately shortened by my aunt— who took me out of the room she seemed to have a confused desire to keep me from leaving her after the door had closed behind us but i broke away and ran downstairs to the surgery to go and cry for my lost playmate with the sharer of all our games uncle george i opened the surgery door and could see nobody i dried my tears and looked all round the room it was empty I ran upstairs again to Uncle George's garret bedroom. He was not there. His cheap hairbrush and old cast-off razor-case that had belonged to my grandfather were not on the dressing-table. Had he got some other bedroom? I went out on the landing and called softly, with an unaccountable terror and sinking at my heart. Uncle George? Nobody answered, but my aunt came hastily up the garret stairs hush she said you must never call that name out here again she stopped suddenly and looked as if her own words had frightened her is uncle george dead i asked my aunt turned red and pale and stammered i did not wait to hear what she said i brushed past her down the stairs my heart was bursting my flesh felt cold i ran breathlessly and recklessly into the room where my father and mother had received me they were both sitting there still i ran up to them wringing my hands and crying out in a passion of tears is uncle george dead my mother gave a scream that terrified me into instant silence and stillness my father looked at her for a moment rang the bell that summoned the maid then seized me roughly by the arm and dragged me out of the room he took me down into the study seated himself in his accustomed chair and put me before him between his knees his lips were awfully white and i felt his two hands as they grasped my shoulders shaking violently you are never to mention the name of uncle george again he said in a quick angry trembling whisper never to me never to your mother never to your aunt never to anybody in this world—never, never, never!" The repetition of the word terrified me even more than the suppressed vehemence with which he spoke. He saw that I was frightened, and softened his manner a little before he went on. You will never see Uncle George again, he said. Your mother and I love you dearly, but if you forget what I have told you, you will be sent away from home never speak that name again mind never now kiss me and go away how his lips trembled and oh how cold they felt on mine i shrunk out of the room the moment he had kissed me and went and hid myself in the garden uncle george is gone i am never to see him any more i am never to speak of him again those were the words i repeated to myself with indescribable terror and confusion the moment i was alone There was something unspeakably horrible to my young mind in this mystery which i was commanded always to respect and which so far as i then knew i could never hope to see revealed my father my mother my aunt all appeared to be separated from me now by some impassable barrier home seemed home no longer with caroline dead uncle george gone and a forbidden subject of talk perpetually and mysteriously interposing between my parents and me though i never infringed the command of my father had given me in his study his words and looks and that dreadful scream of my mother's which seemed to be still ringing in my ears were more than enough to ensure my obedience i also never lost the secret desire to penetrate the darkness which clouded over the fate of uncle george for two years I remained at home and discovered nothing. If I asked the servants about my uncle, they could only tell me that one morning he disappeared from the house. Of the members of my father's family, I could make no inquiries. They lived far away and never came to see us. And the idea of writing to them at my age and in my position was out of the question. My aunt was as unapproachably silent as my father and mother but I never forgot how her face had altered when she reflected for a moment after hearing of my extraordinary adventure while going home with the servant over the sands at night. The more I thought of that change of countenance in connection with what had occurred on my return to my father's house, the more certain I felt that the stranger who had kissed me and wept over me must have been no other than Uncle George. At the end of my two years at home— i was sent to sea in the merchant navy by my own earnest desire i had always determined to be a sailor from the time when i first went to stay with my aunt at the seaside and i persisted long enough in my resolution to make my parents recognize the necessity of acceding to my wishes my new life delighted me and i remained away on foreign stations more than four years when i at length returned home it was to find a new affliction darkening our fireside my father had died on the very day when i sailed for my return voyage to england absence and change of scene had in no respect weakened my desire to penetrate the mystery of uncle george's disappearance my mother's health was so delicate that i hesitated for some time to approach the forbidden subject in her presence when i at last ventured to refer to it suggesting to her that any prudent reserve which might have been necessary while I was a child need no longer be persisted in now that I was growing to be a young man, she fell into a violent fit of trembling, and commanded me to say no more. It had been my father's will, she said, that the reserve to which I referred should be always adopted toward me. He had not authorized her, before he died, to speak more openly, and— now that he was gone, she would not so much as think of acting on her own unaided judgment. My aunt said the same thing, in effect, when I appealed to her. Determined not to be discouraged even yet, I undertook a journey, ostensibly to pay my respects to my father's family, but with the secret intention of trying what I could learn in that quarter on the subject of Uncle George. My investigations led to some results— though they were by no means satisfactory. George had always been looked upon with something like contempt by his handsome sisters and his prosperous brothers, and he had not improved his position in the family by his warm advocacy of his brother's cause at the time of my father's marriage. I found that my uncle's surviving relatives now spoke of him slightingly and carelessly. They assured me that they had never heard from him and that they knew nothing about him, except that he had gone away to settle as they supposed, in some foreign place, after having behaved very basely and badly to my father. He had been traced to London, where he had sold out of the funds the small share of money which he had inherited after his father's death, and he had been seen on the deck of a packet bound for France later on the same day. Beyond this nothing was known about him, and what the alleged baseness of his behaviour had consisted none of his brothers and sisters could tell me, my father had refused to pain them by going into particulars, not only at the time of his brother's disappearance, but afterward, whenever the subject was mentioned. George had always been the black sheep of the flock, and he must have been conscious of his own baseness, or he would certainly have written to explain and to justify himself. Such were the particulars which I gleaned during my visit to my father's family. To my mind, they tended rather to deepen than to reveal the mystery. That such a gentle, docile, affectionate creature as Uncle George should have injured the brother he loved by word or deed in any period of their intercourse seemed incredible, but that he should have been guilty of an act of baseness at the very time when my sister was dying was simply and plainly impossible, and yet there was the incomprehensible fact staring me in the face that the death of Caroline and the disappearance of Uncle George had taken place in the same week. Never did I feel more daunted and bewildered by the family's secret than after I had heard all the particulars in connection with it that my father's relatives had to tell me. I may pass over the events of the next few years of my life briefly enough. My nautical pursuits filled up all my time and took me far away from my country and my friends. But whatever I did and wherever I went, the memory of Uncle George and the desire to penetrate the mystery of his disappearance haunted me like familiar spirits. Often, in the lonely watches of the night at sea, did I recall the dark evening on the beach, the strange man's hurried embrace, the startling sensation of feeling his tears on my cheeks, the disappearance of him before I had breath or self-possession enough to say a word. Often did I think over the inexplicable events that followed, when I had returned, after my sister's funeral, to my father's house, and oftener still did I puzzle my brains vainly in the attempt to form some plan for inducing my mother or my aunt to disclose the secret which they had hitherto kept for me so perseveringly. My only chance of knowing what had really happened to Uncle George, my only hope of seeing him again, rested with those two near and dear relatives. I despaired of ever getting my mother to speak on the forbidden subject after what had passed between us, but I felt more sanguine about my prospects of ultimately inducing my aunt to relax in her discretion. My anticipations, however, in this direction were not destined to be fulfilled. On my next visit to England, I found my aunt prostrated by a paralytic attack which deprived her of the power of speech. She died soon afterward in my arms, leaving me her sole heir. I searched anxiously among her papers for some reference to the family mystery. But found no clue to guide me. All my mother's letters to her sister at the time of Caroline's illness and death had been destroyed. End of chapter ten recording by Greg Giordano Newport Richie, Florida.